0: Good morning, Rock Church. How are we doing? How are we doing? Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Darren. I am the Marriage and Family Pastor here at Rock Church. I'd like to welcome you here. Those that are here, those of you online, welcome. Have a uh, a good word for you today. It's going to uh, check you, but it's going to be a check in love. Check in love. Um. How many of you are car people, car people, like you fix stuff in the car? Any of y'all fix stuff? Yeah? Okay, okay. Not that many. I didn't think. Not that many. Uh, Sorry. Pause. Side note. Um, I am today kind of like progressive insurance. I'm a commercial for the marriage ministry. See that? Want a better marriage? Yep, yep. So our marriage getaway is coming up. 20th annual marriage getaway. If you haven't been, make sure that you attend. If you've gone before, you need to go again. We have a table um, out front. Uh, Actually, there's a way for you to win a freebie uh, today. So go out to the table when we're done. They'll give you all the information. How many married people in the house? Any married people in the house? Married people, married people, okay. How many single, single people? Okay, okay, wow. Y'all happy because y'all single? Y'all happy because y'all not married? Like, what's, what's going on? What's going on? All right. All right. That's all right. That's all right. So, um, as, you know, as uh, stated, how many, how many uh, are car people? We have car people in the place? Anybody that know how to fix stuff? All right. So, I grew up in New York, and people didn't have, like, people didn't have cars in New York. We ride the bus, we ride the train. I think one person in my family had a car, but it wasn't that good of a car, so nobody got in it. And so, I, I mean, I, I didn't know, like, how to fix anything on a car. Anything that goes wrong, I was, I was calling somebody, AAA, I need air in my tire, like, come help me out. Well, a couple of years ago, I mean, it was, yeah, a few years ago, I had a buddy of mine who he knows a lot about cars, and he, you know, it's like, hey, you... You going to pay for an oil change? He's like, man, I, I never pay for oil changes. I, how do you do them? I like, said I do them myself. You going to get your brakes? You pay for your brakes? I never pay for my bro." I'm like, whoa, wait. Like I want to save money too. Like, tell me what's going on. And he began to teach me and show me. And as he taught me what I thought was really complicated, it was really, really simple. Like change the oil. It's like, man, all you got to do is take the filter out and take this plug out, drain the oil, filter back in. Plug back in, put oil in, boom, and you're done. He's like, yeah, simple as that. I'm like, wow. And then he showed me, you know, how to change your brakes. Like, man, that's, that's all it is. You just take the tie off and the caliper and then put the pads out, pads in and put... He's like, yeah, that's, that's it. And I, I mean, one, I was upset because not only was I upset because it was very easy, but I was upset because of all the money that I had paid over the years. I share that with you because... Sometimes what is very simple, and some things are simple, not easy, what is very simple, we've made complicated. Being a witness for Christ is simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. But I feel like we've made it complicated. And Jesus, in His Word, He made it really, really simple. The Sermon on the Mount. Right? He opened the Sermon on the Mount. He told uh, there was nine uh, blessings. These are the people that understand what a blessing or will be blessed. Nine blessings. And then right after that, he went into it. He told us, this is how you be a witness for Christ. He made it real simple. He said, be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Thank you. right that's that's what he said but we we somehow some way we have complicated it right we we've made it more difficult we we love the way we want to love we judge we we do all these different things and we wonder hey why, why doesn't anybody want to come to church why does anybody want to follow this amazing god that i'm following it's like maybe just maybe it's you I don't mean to step on toes, but I do. But it's all in love because we want to make sure that we are the salt and the light of this world. Salt of the earth and the light of the world, the way Jesus has intended us to be. Amen? Let me pray. Jesus, thank you for today. I pray for your people, Lord. I pray that we would truly understand what it means to be the salt and the light, Lord. Lord, I pray that your word would be received, Lord Jesus. It would be um, taken in, Lord, and we would act Upon it, Lord Jesus, Lord, thank you for your word and thank you for making it really, really simple and really, really clear. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So, message in a sentence, if our lives are not encouraging people to live for Jesus, we need to assess and adjust. If our lives are not encouraging people to live for Jesus, we need to assess and adjust. Not talk more, not to point more, we need to assess our lives and we need to adjust. So, open your Bibles, if you will, to Matthew. Matthew 5. Matthew 5, Sermon on the Mount. And Matthew 5, 13. Matthew 5, 13. And it reads Today I'm going to share for uh, us that call ourselves believers, there will be four questions that I want you to answer. But then also for those who Maybe you guys are here, you're kind of checking it out. You don't really know. Okay, do I want to follow? Do I not want to follow? I want to have a word for you as well. So Matthew, Matthew 5 and 13, it says, You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. I'm going to read it to you from the... uh, Sometimes it's good to kind of get another version. Uh, This is the message version. The message version. says, let me tell you why you're here. To be the salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your youthfulness and you will end up in the garbage. Don't get mad at me. I'm just reading the word to you, but you'll, you'll get in the end. So the goal, first of all, our goal is to be the salt of the earth. Now, how many of you like French fries? Fries, how many fries? Any fries in the house? Right, okay, all right. So here, here's my top three. Here's my top three fries. They don't have to be yours. This is just my opinion. My opinion means what? Nothing, Nothing unless I'm preaching, and it means everything. So here are my top three. Here are my top three fries. Top three. Number 3 in and In-N-Out. In and out in and out yes, yes. The only thing is they have about a five-minute window, right? After five minutes, I don't, they turn into potato chip sticks or something. I don't know, right? The second one is Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A, right, right? And the one, the place, the restaurant that we love to hate, but they got the best fries, McDonald's. Everybody knows, everybody knows that. Everybody knows that. You can hate on it, but everybody knows that. But the, the thing about fries, it's not necessarily we love the organic flavor of the potato. Right? The crispiness, right? The crispiness of the outside. Like, that's not what it is. What it really is about is that salt. Right. That's what it is. Like we like. Oh yeah. That's. Like, as soon as we get the bag, we in there. We not even looking. Driving into, like we we just gotta have it. It used to be the MSG, but I guess they don't have that no more. But it's it's about it's about the salt. So when you think about us being the salt, you have. I want you to think about that. Is that's what brings us back. Question number one is, is your life causing people to want to know Jesus? Is your life as a believer causing people to want to know Jesus? Are you the salt of the earth? When people taste your life, do they want more? Do they want to come back? Do they want to find out, hey, what what is it about you? Or are they like, I'm, I'm, I'm good. See, salt was very valuable. Matter of fact, people, they used to get paid in in salt, they used to get paid wages, right, in salt. And salt was kind of like the refrigerator, right? They ate a lot of fish, so the only way to keep fish from spoiling is they packed it in salt, and that's that's what preserved it. There's a couple of things, there's three things that are the primary, I guess, uses of salt. The first thing is to add flavor, right? We want our lives to add flavor. Ask yourself the question, do you add flavor to relationships? Do you add flavor to people's life? Number two, it creates thirst. When people taste your life, when they come in contact with your life, do they, do they, want, do they want more? Or do they like, no, nah, I'm, I'm okay. And then number three, salt acted as a preservative to decay. Right, this world is decaying. Sin is destroying this world. Are you acting as a preservative for people's life, being the salt of the earth? That's a question that that you have to answer. Now, it's tricky because sometimes we can be too salty. Right, we can be too salty making people salty. Y'all get that? Right? It would be awesome if we had kind of a salty meter. Right? Wouldn't that be great if we had a salty meter? Kind of like the iPhone, when the iPhone gets too hot. It's like, I'm not going to wait for you. Like the thermometer's going to come on, we're shutting off, I'll be back when we cool off. Like you don't have the option. That would be awesome, is if we had a salty meter in us, and as you were talking, as you were ministering and witnessing to someone, and you were getting too salty, your salty meter came on and you just couldn't talk no more. Because typically, right, it's, it's what comes out of our mouths that messes it up. Listen to this. Whenever you're in doubt, remember this. Be a witness for Christ at all times, but use words only when needed. I'm going to say that again. Be a witness for Christ at all times. and everything you do, be a witness for Christ, but only use words when they're needed. Our lives, I mean, our words have hurt a lot of people. And I don't know if I have the power, but I'm going to use it and say, man, if you have been hurt, if you've been condemned, if you've been, if people have come to you and been too salty with you, man, you deserve an apology because that's not who Jesus is. Is there accountability? Is there correction? Absolutely. But we have to make sure we do it the right way. So I would encourage you is don't allow the sin or the saltiness in others to hold you back from the greatest decision you can make in your life. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Question number 2. Question number 2. Is your life causing people to want to follow Jesus? The first one is to know. I'm just curious. The second one is to follow. You know what? I, yeah, I want to start going to church. I, yeah, you had a small group. Yeah, I'll, I'll start reading the word with you. I'll start doing some things. Is your life causing people to want to follow Jesus? Turn your Bibles, if you will, to Matthew 9. Matthew chapter 9, a couple of pages over. Verse number 9. If you know anything about Matthew, Matthew was a tax collector. And tax collectors, it wasn't wasn't an occupation that people loved. Matter of fact, people hated tax collectors because they can pretty much charge you whatever, whatever they wanted to charge you. That's what they can charge you. And that's who Matthew was. He was a tax collector and people hated them. But for some reason, for some reason, Jesus saw something in Matthew and he invited him to follow him. Let's pick up the story in verse number 9, chapter 9, verse 9. It says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple. Simple, right? Jesus said to him, so Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciple to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. Whenever you are invited to follow Jesus, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's going to be this complete radical change in your life instantly. It can happen, but it may not happen. Beginning to follow Jesus, it doesn't require a complete life change. All it requires is you taking the first step. That's what it required. Because as Matthew began to follow Jesus, if you know the disciples, they didn't have it all down. They were continually questioning. They had doubts. They, they denied him. And some of you, you may be in your life, and maybe you have questions, you have doubts. Maybe you've denied him certain times, and you feel like, I can't follow Jesus because I've done these things. His main dues. His main guide, the disciples, they had those same things. And he invited them to follow him. Don't allow that to deter you from following Jesus. Okay, don't, don't allow that to, 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 uh, excuse me, to deter you. Begin to learn about Jesus and how much he loves you. That's it. Begin to learn about Jesus and how much he loves you. Someone said, if... If a man predicts his death and resurrection and pulls it off, we probably should listen to what he has to say. Right? We probably should listen to what he has to say. The disciples, I want you to think about this. The disciples, they didn't really get it until the resurrection. Because if they truly believed everything that Jesus said, because they was with them for three years and they saw miracles and they saw great things happen. But if they truly understood it, when Jesus said, I'm going to, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to rise on the third day, they would have all been there, right? They would have been at the tomb just like we are watching TV, watching Dick, Dick Clark. He, he's died, right? Um. The other guy who does it now, right, we, we'd, be, we'd be watching. We'd be waiting, right? We, we'd be waiting for Jesus. They should have been waiting for Jesus. They'd been with him for three years. They saw it. They were his followers. Their life should be perfect. They, I mean, their life should be complete. They should have a hope in him. And they wasn't there. The women saw it first, and they had to come back and tell them. And then they, and then they went to see it. We have to be, we have to be mindful of that of that your life may not be completely different to follow Jesus. As you follow him, he will begin to change things in your life. He will begin to reveal things in your life. He will show you. He will give you wisdom. He will give you discernment of when you see certain things or talk to certain people to know when to say no to this person who is interested in you, to say yes to this door, to know that every door that opens may not be your door. That's what will happen when you follow Jesus. So don't allow the questions, the fears, the doubts to deter you because we just celebrated Good Friday. And Good Friday was good because... Sunday happened. But before they knew that Sunday was going to happen, even though Jesus told them that it would happen, Good Friday was really hopeless Friday because all hope was lost. They didn't think he was going to rise. And it wasn't until the resurrection that the disciples said, who's the man? I mean, I don't know if they said that, but I mean, that's, that's kind of what happened, right? That's what happened. That's when they begin to say, yes, I'm going to follow. I will follow. Matter of fact, I will die, which most of them died for the cause. So is your life causing people to want to follow Jesus? Because here's what you have to understand. You may very well be the only Bible that some people read. So make sure you're legible. You may be the only Bible that some people read. Is that fair? Maybe not. But make sure you're being the salt. Make sure you are allowed giving them something to want to know more. Making them thirsty. Because you, like you, you may be it. The guy who led me to the Lord, I played ball with him. And I used to just watch him. Just check him out. Just see how he, how he operates. And it wasn't really... I just loved the way he operated as as a defensive back. We played the same position. And he was diligent in his studies. And he was on top of it when he watched film. and, And everything was on point. So I was like, yes, like, I definitely want to follow him. And then I understood that he was a man of God. And I saw how he treated his wife. And I saw how he loved his kids. And I saw how other people respected him. And I'm just like, yes. See, it may not even be that you go to church every Sunday. As a matter of fact, that may be a turnoff for some people. It's about how you live life. It's about, man, are you normal? Like if somebody tells a joke, like it might be on the edge, but I mean, if it's funny, like, is it okay to laugh? Or do you like, you know, start praying and you put on a worship song, yo, I need you to listen to this worship song because it's like, just be normal. Is your life causing people to want to follow Jesus? Let me read the second, the, the last part, verse 12, verse 12, because Jesus, uh, Jesus, is, he, he's, he's smooth, okay? Actually, verse 11, it says, But when the Pharisees saw this, they saw what? They saw Jesus as a tax collector to follow him. When the Pharisees saw this, you know what the Pharisees were, right? They're extra religious, the ones who thought they had it all together and made everybody else follow these rules, but they didn't even think about following those rules. Those were the Pharisees. It said, when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? They asked. When Jesus heard this, he said, and I want you all to hear this. How many sinners, any sinners in the house? Any sinners? Do I have any sinners? No sinners over here? Okay. I don't see no hands over there. No sin. Any sinners right here? Okay. We got sinners in here? We got sinners. Where the sinner wave? Give me the sinner wave. Hey. 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 hey, hey. All right. I'm going to make you feel better as a sinner, right? Jesus actually is going to make you feel better as a sinner. Here's what he said. He said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. See, the religious, they were all about sacrifices, right? They would do something, they would show sacrifices. They make people do all this crazy stuff, but they wouldn't show any mercy. Mercy is not giving giving something that people deserve. Grace is giving them what they don't deserve. Mercy is not giving them what they do deserve. For the wages of sin is death. We deserve death, but we didn't get it because Jesus died and rose for our sins. So here's what he said. He said, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are what? Sinners. Sinners. We're the sinners. All the sinners in the house say amen. Right. That's who he came to call the sinners, those who knew they were sinners. So it's okay to know and understand who you are and not try to put on as someone else because that's not why Jesus came. He's like, I'm not interested in all of you who think you got it all together and you know you got it all together and you're putting that on other people. I came for those who are sick, who know that they need a doctor. And the Beatitudes, one of the Beatitudes is blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are the poor in spirit, basically says that we are spiritually homeless. We have absolutely nothing to offer Jesus. It is solely by the grace of God that we all have salvation. That's why he came. Let's keep going. Question number three. Is your life causing people to love like Jesus? Is your life causing people to love like Jesus? One of the biggest issues that the world has with the church is hypocrites and judgmental. How many many of you have ever felt judged? Anybody ever felt judged? Raise your hand, ever felt judged? This group over here, they never felt judged. They're not sinners. I don't know what's going on over here. But there's something going on over there. How many ever felt judged? Any felt judged? Okay, all right. All right. Here we go. Listen closely to this next part. Raise your hand virtually, meaning in your mind. Raise your hand in your mind, not your physical hand. Just raise your hand in your mind to the next question. I'll see them. The Lord will see them. Okay. Where are you going to raise your hands? In your minds. Raise your hands in your mind. How many of you have ever judged someone? Yes. Ooh, I see the hands now. <laughs> I see the hands. I see the hands. We've all done it. We've all, we've all done it. Now, the, judge, the judging that was referred here, Jesus, when he was speaking, he was talking to the Pharisees. He was talking to the Pharisees. The judging that we see here is not necessarily what we call judging. What we call judging is we judge by the appearance. We form a conclusion, or come to a, uh, we, we develop an opinion or form a conclusion about someone or something, but it's basically typically with their appearance, or what they like or what they don't like. Right? Like if as soon as you see a Raider fan, judgment, Bam! <laughs> Criminal. <laughs> Crazy. Right, like that's, that's just what comes out. I'm not saying it's true. I'm just saying that's what y'all think. Let's read. It says, uh, Matthew, chapter, Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. It says, do not judge others and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Did you hear that? The standard which you use to treat others is the standard that will be used to you. And why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own eye? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past a log in your own eye? Man, bro, let me, ooh. It seems like you gotta got a lot going on in your life. Let me pray for you. Let me pray. Let me pray. Not to say prayer is bad, but I'm like, bro, you gotta like you looking for this in my eye, can't even see it, the speck in my eye. But you gotta, you got a a law, a plank in your eye, you can't even see. Let's deal. Like, you could pray for me, but I probably need to pray for you too. Get rid of the, the, the plank in your own eye, and then you can, see, you can see and you can help your brother, right? Why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? Amen. How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past a log in your own eye? Hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. This is not saying that there should be no accountability. Accountability is necessary. That's not what this is saying. What it's saying is, and again, remember who he was speaking to. He was speaking to the Pharisees who were putting heavy religious laws on people that they wasn't trying to, to, um, to uphold. Accountability is necessary, but the ticket to accountability is love, mercy, grace, and relationship equity? You've got to have a relationship with people. You've got to show love. You've got to show mercy. You've got to show grace when holding someone accountable. You can't just be, I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm just coming for you, right? That's got to be. And again, as I said, it is necessary. It is necessary. Not to judge, not to condemn. We should never condemn. You're doing this and you're going to hell. We should know. We don't have the power for that. So we should never do that. And the church, not the rock church, the church in general, Big C, we have done a terrible job at loving like Jesus. We just have. A lot of the things that we hear about Christians in the church, we've earned it. It's not like they made it up. It's happening. It's going on. So when we see certain things, like you, you don't necessarily have to pray for a person. While you, you can pray for them. If you know something's going on, you can pray while they're over there. The prayer will still work. Lord, I pray for. I I pray I I pray for um. I pray for this man who. Is a sinner, Um, probably worse than a tax collector, Lord, I pray that you would um, change. No, just, you know what, brother? Man, I love you. And the Lord loves you. And the Lord has an amazing plan for your life, which is the only reason why I'm sharing this. Let's start a conversation like that. Man, Jesus loves you. I love you. Jesus loves you. And, man, that's the only reason that I'm going to share this with you. But I want, I want to be a part of the process. How can I help you? I will continue to pray for you. And sometimes we pray there, sometimes we pray away. But it doesn't always, right, it doesn't always go perfectly, right? I watch this show. Um, how many of you ever seen the show, 100 Humans? You ever seen that show, 100 Humans? I think I'm the only one that watched that show. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, 100 Humans. 100 Humans is a show on Netflix and they, they put these people through all different types of experiments. Anyway, so one of the shows I was watching, they put people through an experiment. They wanted to see when people are criticized, do they do better if they criticize or encouraged? So they were spinning these plates. Some were good, some were not good. They got criticized. The good people, they got worse. The bad didn't even try. Then you had those that were not good. Those that got criticized, I mean, criticized bad. Those that were encouraged, they got better. All those, that got, all those that got encouraged, they got better. I say all that to say when we judge or come to a conclusion, what determines, what's, what's the, the, the defining line is, what do we do with what we are judging? I see you and and I see how your hair looks. I see what you drive. I see how you talk. I see, you know, whatever the case may be. What do we do with that from there? Do we love you or do we treat you differently? When it doesn't go your way, how many of you, has somebody ever said anything about you? Has anybody ever had somebody say something about them? And sometimes, right, it, it, it depends on who they are, right? Sometimes it sticks, sometimes it doesn't. I want to share something with you from a young lady who she's going to be a future doctor. I love talking to her because she always listens to me and um, she she always has good advice. No matter what it is I talk about, whether she knows what I'm talking about or not, she always has good advice. But I wanted to just share it with you because I think it would be helpful when somebody says something about you. Maybe we can pick this up. Take a look at the video. Okay, so, you know, a lot of people, they, they're concerned when other people talk about them, right? Yeah. How do you deal with that? Like, if somebody talks about you, how do you not let it bother you? Um, like, you just don't care what they're saying. Don't try to hear what they're saying. And that's it, right? Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Just don't, right? Just, just don't try to hear what they're saying, right? And they touch the ear to make sure, you know, don't try to hear. Now, if it was, that, if it was only that easy, right, to not hear what they were saying, Last week, we're in the store, and she asked for some cereal. I'm like, you're not getting cereal because you never eat the cereal. She's like, Grandpa, I'm going to eat it. I'm like, no, you don't. I'm not getting the cereal. Grandpa, can I please get the cereal? She gets a big box. I'm like, okay, I'll get you some cereal, but you're getting a little box. She gets a little box. The next morning, we're about to go to school. I'm like, hey, perfect time for you to eat your cereal. She's like, I'm not eating it. (laughs) Six years old. Here's what she says to me. She said, the reason I'm not eating it is because yesterday you were judging me. <laughs> no, you didn't. That's what she said. My six-year-old granddaughter told me I was judging her. Now, Did I judge her? Yeah, even though it was based on past experience. I could have been encouraging, like, Brent, the last time you didn't eat your cereal. But you know what? I'm going to believe the best about you. I'm going to get the cereal because I know that you're going to crush that cereal. <laughs> it may change everything. We have to be, right? These are the things that we have to be mindful about, right? We're just the messengers. What happens with that? Is, it's up to Jesus. Share the word. Tell people how much He love them. You could correct them in love and then... So, on Jesus, the results are not up to us. The results are up to Jesus. If you've ever been hurt, if you've ever been judged, don't allow that to hold you back from living for Jesus. Just as you develop in your walk, be the change that you want to see. Be the change that you want to see. Pray for that person who you feel like judges you. But you don't have to be them. You can be something different. Number four, Now, wrap up with this one. The number four, the fourth question is, is your life causing people to live for Jesus? Is your life causing people to live for Jesus? Matthew 5, back to Matthew 5, verse 14. Matthew 5, verse 14. It reads, it says, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, the lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. That is what we want to be. We are the light. We are a reflection of a greater light. That's what we are. And we want people to praise our heavenly Father by the way we love, by the way we live. That's the way they're going to praise Him, by being the salt of the earth, by being the light of the world. That's how they're going to get it. That's how they're going to see it. There's many different types of lights. But here's a couple of things that lights should do. A light should be give you direction. When you see a light, it gives you direction. Growth, right, and light safety. When I was 12 years old in New York, we used to have house parties. And when I was 12 years old, I wanted a strobe light for my birthday. And I got the strobe light and I had house parties and my house parties were about right here. But once I got the strobe light, boom, I turned into like a club. Now I got a club. The problem with a strobe light is It's distorted. If you're looking at things under a strobe light, everybody has rhythm. (laughs) It's a strobe light. Sometimes our lives are that of a strobe light. It says, let your light shine, but our lights are are distorted. It's like it looks like they're trying to figure out, like, what's, I, I really, I don't know. And then they say, you know what, I, I, don't, I don't want to be that. Or our light is not on until there's an emergency. And then it comes on like a floodlight. It's like, no. Nah. We want our light to be consistent. Why? Because we want our good deeds to shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise our heavenly Father. What's at stake? Lives are at stake. People's lives are at stake. You very well may be, and I said it before and I'll say it again, you may very well be the only Bible that some people ever read. And people want to see how do you deal when expectations are not met? How do you deal when there's conflict? How do you deal when there is forgiveness that needs to happen? It may not be it's perfect, you don't always deal with it perfect, but when you don't deal with it in a perfect way, you don't make an excuse. You say, yeah, you know what, I, pfft, I messed that up, I apologize. Just be real. It breaks my heart when I hear the, how people say that they're staying away from the church because it's, it's so hypocritical and it's judgmental. It's like, like, we can be better. Do your best until you know better. And then do better. That's it. It's simple, but it's not easy. As I close, believers, if we're ever in doubt of exactly what we should do, Be a witness for Christ at all times, but use words only when needed. Make sure our lives are causing people to want to know Jesus. Make sure our lives are causing people to follow Jesus. Make sure our lives are causing people to love like Jesus. And make sure our lives are causing people to live for Jesus. For those of you who have been on the other side and you've been hurt, Know that everyone who represents Jesus, none of them are Jesus. So don't allow that to hold you back from just getting to know who he is. Don't worry about changing anything in your life. Just get to know who he is. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, start there. Start there. And I can tell you that you'll begin to see a change. You will see something, feel something different. Because Jesus loves you. He has an amazing plan for each and every one of our lives. And it's worth it. It's completely worth it. So I want to pray for us. Pray for us as the salt and the light of the earth. But also pray for those that have received too much salt and a strobe light as well. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that. You will continue to give us wisdom and discernment on how to be the best salt of the earth and the the most consistent light of the world. Lord Jesus, for those of us who have messed up, who maybe we've been too salty, maybe we've been a distorted light, Lord, I pray that we wouldn't rationalize our behavior. We would just apologize. And Lord Jesus, I pray, Lord, that you would just help us to live a more consistent life and it starts with how we love people. Lord, I pray for those who have been on the other side who have received it the wrong way, who have received too much salt or received distorted light. So Lord, I pray that they would focus on the ultimate light, which is you, Lord, that they would get to know you so that you can show them how much you love them and amazing plan you have for their lives. So for those who are saying, yes, I, I, wanna, you know, I want a relationship. I want to begin to follow You, Jesus. I pray they would pray this prayer in their heart. They would say, Dear Lord, please forgive me if I know that I'm a sinner. Lord, I know my sin is wrong, but Lord Jesus, I have been hurt. Lord, I'm asking you, would you heal my hurts? Lord, I'm asking you, would you heal my pain? And Lord, I'm asking you, would you accept me to follow you, Lord? Lord Jesus, thank you that you love me, and thank you that you died on the cross, not because you knew that any of us would live a perfect life, but you died because you knew that we would sin. So, Lord Jesus, for that we say I love you, and we say thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all.